What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday, and you know what that means. I have someone on the show who I am learning from, who's got a community, who has a modern day marketing approach to the way he does his business. I'm joined by Corey Haynes. Corey is the leader of the Swipe Files community. He's doing some really cool stuff. On this episode, we talk about marketing like a media company. I know that is a hot topic. Corey has some awesome insights, very passionate. This is a good one. I had my notepad out, learned a ton from him. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button, would you? Tell a friend, a marketing pal, maybe a coworker, that you're enjoying the Modern Day Marketing Podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am excited for today's guest. He's a community builder. He's someone who has been on our radar at The Juice and we've been collaborating with recently. And I know he's got a lot to say. I'm joined by Corey Haynes, who is the founder of Swipe Files. He has done a lot of other things in his career that I think make for a good episode. We'll be talking about marketing like a media company, which is a very modern day marketing type topic. So excited about this conversation, but without further ado, Corey, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure. No, no doubt. And, and before we dive in, I want to definitely give some airtime to Swipe Files and maybe you can talk a little bit about it. We've been talking about community building from a B2B perspective a lot on this show recently. And I know this is something that you are deeply passionate about and you've kind of gone, gone all in. So I'd love to kind of give the floor to you to maybe talk about how Swipe Files became a thing, what is Swipe Files, mm-hmm. and just some awareness for any of the audience. Yeah. The, the TLDR version is that Swipe Files is basically my mini media company all around SaaS marketing. So on the front end, there's a newsletter. I've done podcasts in the past, do a lot of tweeting. <laughs> and then on the back end, there's a membership that includes a community, three courses, live office hours with me, consulting, et cetera, et cetera all with the goal of helping people build and grow their MRR for their SaaS startup. So my background is working as sort of early stage marketing, marketing team of one for B2B SaaS companies. Uh, I was working for Cordial, first marketing hire there. Barometrics, first marketing hire. SavvyCal, first marketing hire. Um, Now working on my own SaaS apps as well. So for some reason or another, I really like the kind of like zero to one stage even though it's probably like I tell people it's the, I don't know why I chose this because it's one of the hardest jobs in the world, I think. Not to toot my own horn, but just it sort of is. But um, I like it and it's fun and it's new. I love the challenge and uh, I'm a nerd for it. So I like sharing everything that I learned, everything I know, everything I experience, all under kind of the brand of Swipe Files. I think it's just like the nature of a lot of marketers in SaaS to have an entrepreneurial type spirit. When was like, you mentioned your previous experience, like you cut your teeth, gain some experience. And then I'm guessing there was this moment where you're like, you know what? I kind of want to work for myself. And this is, I want to take the skills that I sharpened in these other opportunities and apply them to a new opportunity. One that I'm kind of in full control of my own destiny. Like when was that moment when you were like, I need to go do this? There was no single moment or kind of a lightning strike that happened in my life. I've actually sort of known and been planning for Kind of this eventual thing of starting my own SaaS projects. Uh, but I knew that one, starting SaaS businesses is hard, especially bootstrapping. And so I need to be able to put myself in a good financial place, a good place in life, a good place in my sort of like 
situation and time being able to pour myself into these types of projects. So everything that I've done, I've sort of seen as like practice for my own SaaS companies, eventually doing marketing for other companies. I get to basically be paid to learn. Right. And so that gives me a really good perspective and good opportunity to experiment. And it was once basically after bare metrics kind of figured like, you know, I don't really want to go to another traditional marketing job. I'd rather do things on my own, do some consulting. Now this gig that I have with SavvyCal is fantastic because I basically work part-time uh, as a marketing team of one, but it's very, very flexible and basically subsidizes my living to be able to work on everything else that I want to do. But everything is within the context of knowing, okay, eventually I need to get in the game myself. I need some skin in the game. I need to sink my teeth in. Um, so it's all just, it's all just practice and play for my own SaaS projects. I love it. Good segue into the topic, uh, trying to share some perspective of why this matters to you. And I think you're a, a good resource for us to learn from. I have heard this like market like a media company for you know the past few years, I feel like, and it's come from a lot of different sources. I guess I, I understand it. And you setting the stage to talk about swipe files and the why behind it kind of shines a light on the like the why for me a little bit, but I'd, I'd love for you to maybe kind of dive in a little deeper. Why should we as B2B SaaS marketers kind of be thinking about things like dropping out of the old way a little bit and thinking more like a media company? Like how, how do you think about that? I think I first heard it maybe sometime last year, like beginning of last year in 2021. And um, I was like, oh, I, I love that idea. But I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I want to do it, but like, you know, what's the what's the brass tacks? Like, how do I get started on this? So that started a, a time where I was really, you know, I was kind of marinating in the back of my head. What is, what does it mean? What am, what am I looking for? What kind of things am I piecing together? And then I kind of just got tired of it. I was like, no, I, I really need to know what this means. I think this is going to be a big trend going forward. And I started to see some things kind of being pieced together by some innovative startups in the space. And uh, so I was like, okay, from like. October to December, I just really poured myself into it, studying, learning, dissecting, reverse engineering, doing a lot of research and trying to build like, okay, what's the what's the playbook here? What are the frameworks? Why is this a thing? How does this work? And also really put it to the test because like, do marketing teams need to act and function like a media company or do we just need to look and act like a marketing team? The the, the literal answer is like, no, you don't need to actually become a media company. But I think the thought there, if you really unpack it, is what does a media company do really, really well? Like, why do we say your marketing should look like a media company or that your marketing team should look like a media company? Well, media companies are fantastic at a few really core things. One, they're fantastic at creating content that people love and that's inherently useful and valuable and also just entertaining in and of itself. So it's not just like a means to an end, it is an end unto itself. Media companies are also fantastic at building a fan base, an audience. They're amazing at basically gathering all this attention, but also keeping that attention. So it's not just like a flash in the pan kind of media blitz or a launch or you know a piece of PR that comes out, um, but it's something that's lasting, sustainable, that even grows and compounds over time, uh, where they're transferring an audience from just like these, these eyeballs and these Twitter posts and these things that are coming here and there. And they're building that into a subscriber base on their newsletter. They're building that into uh, a user base in their community. They're building that into uh, their website and they're becoming a destination within the space and not just sort of like you know a random corner coffee shop, right? They're becoming like the place to go 
for a specific topic, uh, a specific place to learn, a source of authority in the space. So then when you think about it that way, it becomes a little bit more clear of, okay, like what does this whole marketing like a media company thing uh, mean? Well, content is obviously a big part of that. But really, I think at the core of it, content is sort of just a means to an end of how you build yourself as an authority to transfer all these top of funnel eyeballs into an owned audience. This is a framework that I sort of like created to try to simplify things, but I call it the orb framework. That's how I think basically every media company works is they borrow other people's audiences. They newsjack, they piggyback of other, other people. They use influencers, creators, uh, sort of like ride the wave, the trend, the zeitgeist, they partner and they collaborate. They do co-marketing and they'll swap stories and et cetera, et cetera. And that basically gets you a lot of like top of funnel uh, traffic and attention that you can just tap into immediately and borrow for your own benefit. And then you have a rented platform. So you try to convert all that borrowed attention, borrowed audience into a rented platform like a Twitter or a Facebook group or LinkedIn, uh, even a place like a YouTube, where this is a great medium, quite literally, it's a, it's a meeting place. It's a connecting kind of tissue with, within the internet where anyone can come and then they can choose to subscribe or engage with you in some way to get more of you. But the difficult part is that you don't own that platform, right? It's subject to algorithms and all sorts of different ranking factors and what gets shared and censored and what doesn't. And so you want to make sure you're not building your castle on a piece of sand or however the saying goes, right? You want to build on a strong foundation, something that is yours. And so then the task becomes, how do I transfer all this rented attention on our rented platforms to an owned platform? And your own platform is where you have full control. It's a direct line of communication with your audience. And that's going to be your newsletter, subscriber base. That's going to be our community, your text message list, your RSS feeds, and your website, basically your media hub, right? A destination, a, a URL where you own it, you have the rights to it, and people can directly type it into their browser to get to you, your website. And that's what media companies do really, really well that a lot of other SaaS and technology companies don't is they sort of just like dabble in these rented and these borrowed platforms. They don't really treat their own platforms like an owned platform or sort of just a, you know, another thought, right? It's sort of just secondary to, we need to build our, our Twitter following. It's like, why? We need to convert people back to the owned platforms and get them looped into our own ecosystem and, and own uh, the line of communication with them. Uh, you said so much there and I want to unpack some of it. One of the things that I couldn't help but connect to was, it sounds like it's let's not just go observe media company X and try to replicate exactly what they do, but it's more understanding the the core, the foundational elements and the core philosophy of how media companies operate and picking pieces from them and trying to apply it to your own. It, it reminds me so much of like ABM. When ABM became this big thing, like everyone immediately thought, I need to go to one of these providers and buy this expensive piece of technology and like now I can do ABM when in reality it was, let's try to build the infrastructure and foundation for what personalization is, what is aligning with our sales team. And then maybe if we prove this out to be successful, we can go buy an ABM platform to help amplify what we're doing. Is is mm -hmm. that kind of at, at the at the core? You said a lot there, but is that kind of at the core you would you would say to someone who is thinking about diving in and, and doing changing kind of the game and operating more in their role like uh, a media company? Yeah, it's, you're you're creating uh, a movement, you're creating a brand, and you're creating uh, all these branded assets and experiences and terms 
and things that ultimately tie back to you. I think a lot of it as I think about it as a, a pendulum, right? And I think for like pre 2000, like anytime before that, it was a lot of brand marketing, where it's all about awareness and brand. And even though it wasn't like the media is commercials and posters and these very sort of transactional forms of marketing, there was still a lot of brand marketing because they're not very attributable and they're just sort of like getting a lot out there, throwing speedy on the wall. And then with technology, the pendulum swung to the opposite end, where it's all about performance marketing and it was, everything is trackable, attributable. Everything can be ROI'd and uh, and sort of metricified, where everything is uh, everything has to come back to is this working or not, and that makes it for a very transactional type of marketing, where it's just you're running an ad, you're getting someone to directly respond or not. And I think today you're just going to find that that just doesn't cut it. The pendulum is swinging back to brand marketing again, where people are tired of just these really transactional marketing engines. And they want to have a, a relationship. They want to to learn, be educated, be inspired, be entertained before they hop on a demo call or before they sign up for your product. SaaS marketing today is really, really, really competitive. It is hard. It is brutal. Also, you're seeing that there are a lot of just waves against performance marketing with the iOS changes, Facebook and Google going at it, like technology, there's GDPR and data and privacy, like it, it gets harder and harder to actually do the ROIification of everything because it just you can't do it. So what do you do? You just keep doing your same old playbook that doesn't work as well and is more expensive? No, like you have to figure out another thing. What's the next frontier? And I think the next frontier is marketing like a media company, where then transaction costs go down, acquisition costs go down, your marketing gets more efficient, it compounds over time. And ultimately, because you're building an owned platform, then you don't have to. Uh, keep paying money to acquire those same customers or to keep growing, like they will do that for you. They will be referring new people. You, because you're building a, a brand out of the marketing of your product and company, again, you, you build this kind of gravitational force to your product, to your company, where you're, you're pulling in all this attention, you're pulling in all this, all this content, all this interest, rather than the, you know, the, as Seth Godin would say, the, the interruption marketing, right? We're just like inserting yourself in a place where you may not really be wanted or, or needed there. You've mentioned content a lot. You've mentioned kind of uh, this writing momentum, collaborating, co-marketing, communities, newsletter, all of these different elements. It's a lot of things. And it's a, a, it can be overwhelming to think about when we're trying to get kind of into this media company mindset. What, what would you, Based on your frameworks, your work, youth, your research, thinking about this, what would your recommendation based on all of the, the possibility of things that can go into this, what would be kind of your like crawl, walk, run approach into kind of starting from nothing to something to kind of hitting hmm. full gear? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it actually also comes back to um, you know, what, what makes a media company. One of the other big parts are the media personalities, right? You think about <laughs> news stations and magazines and columns. And they're all are centered around these, these people at the end of the day. And people want to follow other people. They want to hear from people. Who was it? Uh, Howard Stern, right? He goes off and launches his own network. And like he was the biggest personality. And all of a sudden, like all those millions of people just shift to a new platform for him, right? It wasn't the platform, wasn't the channel. It wasn't the company they were interested. It was in the person. And so uh, I think a lot of it comes down to building these media personalities. So one, you want to make yourself, if you're the founder or if you're a leader executive into a media personality. And what, about, what I mean by that is not just like 
someone with a big followership, but someone who is trusted and known and basically a, a recognized leader in a community. You don't have to be like the guy. You don't have to be a big shot. You don't have to have a hundred thousand followers, but you need to be someone who people trust and know of the, in the community. Content is a big part of that, right? Because you have to create the content in order to become known, become trusted, show that you know what you're talking about, help people educate, entertain, et cetera, et cetera. That can come in a lot of different forms between blog posts and podcasts and YouTube shows. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's about building media personality. So I think that the the crawl approach is for the founder to do like build in public style, you know, content on a rented platform where you're building a Twitter following, a YouTube following, something in a, in a medium that's very shareable. Even TikTok it has amazing discoverability. We're just showing behind the scenes where you're talking about your journey. You're getting people to know not just your product, but you yourself. What's your backstory? Why do you care about this? What you, what's your expertise? What's something that you can share with people that is interesting, funny, unique, uh, and valuable to that end person that you're trying to reach? I think that the the walk approach is then you start looping other people in. You start building these in-house media personalities out of you know the director of engineering or the head of marketing, the head of partnerships. Uh, you might even bring in if you're sort of big time and you raise a lot of money, like a chief evangelist, right? We have someone who's just going out there doing public speaking and who's like, I know um, there's the startup synthesis, which is the the homeschooling school born out of uh, SpaceX with Elon Musk. And uh, this woman, really, really smart, really into like self-education and children's education. And it was Anna Lorena Fabrega, if, I want to, if I'm remembering correctly, built a huge following. And then they're like, hey, we're really aligned. Like we're talking about all the same stuff. Why don't you come on as our chief evangelist? You, you can talk about all the same stuff but now within the context of synthesis as well. So then they've joined forces. They basically like acquired or they've, um, they've put on payroll a big influencer, but now she is another big media personality within the company. And they, they didn't, they sort of like raised her up within their own ranks, right? So the, the walk approach is you want to build a couple of people up within the company who can be creating content, be other trusted members within the community. And then the run approach is, you're really, you're really scaling. Like, uh, you're acquiring newsletters, you're starting newsletters, you're creating shows out of nothing. I mean, the hustle, the morning brew, HubSpot, Coinbase are all really good examples of this, where they're basically taking people within the company and saying, "Hey, do you want to start a podcast?" Uh, I remember when I saw Drift, they had the Seeking Wisdom podcast, and then um, they brought on Maggie Crawley as the, I think it was called the Build podcast. It's all about product management. Like, hey, do you want to start a podcast? And she was like. Yeah, sure. I've never done it before, but you know, we'll show you the ropes. It becomes this huge kind of breakout podcast within product management. She becomes a really trusted person within the community around product management. Not all these product people are interested in drift, not just marketers and salespeople, but product people. And they're thinking about from a, a growth perspective, and they're really trusting her and saying, Hey, marketer, have you seen this uh this drift company? It's really interesting. They have a woman named Maggie Crawley talking about product management. But it seems like this drift thing is really, really interesting. You should check it out. That's not exactly how it goes every time, right? But you can see where I'm going, where they're building in all these personalities, not just covering like the core competency of what your product solves for, but other things related to it uh, that, that might be interested to reach other personas, other stakeholders within the company that you want to reach. So there's a lot of kind of unique, everyone's, everyone's got their own flavor, but uh, Qualwork Run, I think goes build in public with the founder. And you have like one other person, maybe like a chief evangelist, head of marketing, head of partnerships, another executive. And then when you're scaling, you're really turning this into your, you're hiring, you're building these media assets in-house. And that's when you're actually kind of like 
truly marketing like a media company or building your team as if it were a media company. So when Seeking Wisdom first came out, I was walking to work and I think it was Twitter. Came on Twitter. It's like, what is this? Listen to an episode. Seemed like it, it was moments later, my boss, I walked into his office and I was like, is this Seeking Wisdom? He's like, yeah, this is great. Do you know about this? Yeah. Who are these guys? Then became a fan, listened to it over and over. And then the build show came out. Next thing I know it, I'm learning about pro- it's a topic I didn't even, wasn't even wanting to explore, <laughs> but I trusted the brand. And so I found myself being like, I'm being educated on how to communicate with product management stakeholders when I'm sitting, working on a product launch, talking about a new marketing campaign. And so that example like hit me really hard because I, I went through it. And then obviously when the Drift name comes up, you know, I've been a customer a few times, have an affinity for that brand. And it really all started because of what you're recommending. A couple of a marketers, CEO and a marketer jumped on a podcast dedicated uh, to providing value, educating and building audience. And the next thing you know, it, you know, they're a rocket ship. So it works based on that use case. <laughs> Right, right. And you start early on, Dave Gerhardt making all these little, you know, selfie style videos of him walking to work, talking about just anything and everything, right? Uh, leadership, career development, marketing, sales, these little anecdotes and case studies of what's going on at work. But he's, you know, inadvertently making himself a media personality. A lot of people came to Drift because of Dave. But Dave also, I think, seeking wisdom came about, I think maybe, I forget the exact origins, but I want to say it was uh, David Cancel and Keaton Shaw talking with Dave Gerhard about how do we how do we bring David Cancel to life? Because he's such like a, an amazing guy. He's got all this wealth of knowledge. He doesn't have the time to sit down and write a blog post or he doesn't have the, you know, uh, he can't do that full time. So he started seeking wisdom. Basically, it's like Q&A. Dave's just going to ask him questions, give him these softballs. And then David Cancel is just going to knock it out of the park, right? So find whatever works for you. For some people, it's a lot of writing. For some people, it's podcasting. Some people love video. I'm a huge fan of just like, what's your circle of confidence? What's the type of content that you want to create? Um, and then once you get it out there, you can repurpose that into any other type of content. Like if I was starting today, a new company, and I had a big budget, and I really wanted to like ramp up a media company-like marketing function really fast, I would start a YouTube channel. Because with a YouTube channel... Then you can parlay that into the audio to split it out into podcasts. You can take all these little clips from YouTube video and you can repurpose those to all of your branded platforms, these little social media bites and sound bites. You can transcribe all the audio into text and then you can use that text and you can split those out into separate blog posts. And now all of a sudden you have what was just one channel, one piece of content, one piece of content, a YouTube channel. And now you have this full-blown omni-channel multi, you know, multimedia production going on essentially within your marketing company. Cause there's so many different ways you can repurpose it. Right. But if you want to start with something that works for you, and then you can transpose that into other uh, formats and other mediums. So we're going to, we're going to take a hypothetical here. Cause you just gave it to me. So I, I'm uh, the CEO of the next big SaaS startup with the biggest marketing budget ever. And I know you're doing swipe files, Corey, but I've been following your Twitter you providing value. I subscribed to your newsletter and I want you to go do that for me. So I somehow get you into my organization and you're the VP of marketing and you've started this YouTube 
initiative and you're doing all of these things, there's subscribers, the brand is people are tweeting about us, people are subscribing to the our newsletter, and everyone feels really, really good about our brand. But then when we're in these cross-functional conversations and we're talking about traditional performance metrics, people are wanting to know, when are we going to bridge the gap between all of this brand love into pipeline generation? Like, when does this happen? Like, Corey, are you going to be responsible for that? Like, how do we make this happen? So I think we talk a lot about just building brand, being consistent, providing value and being dedicated to that. However, like the mindset from your boss or your boss's boss or your board might not be there yet. So I'd love to maybe understand from you, because I think this is an important question that a lot of marketers battle is how, how do we begin to kind of take these brand activities and initiatives that we know we should do? and map them to like the performance metrics that traditional SaaS marketers are responsible for. Yeah. I don't think that brand marketing and performance marketing, or if you want to call it like marketing like a media company versus just straight up advertising, they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, it's a very symbiotic relationship. I think that what people do for their own marketing is they try to wage these wars and they pit these strategies and these methods against each other. And they say, our way is better. You should only do our way because they're incentivized to say that essentially, right? Uh, for HubSpot, it was inbound marketing. Uh, for Drift, it was no forms. Like Everyone has their own kind of shtick that they have to pull. But at the end of the day, they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, they can help each other out a lot. In fact, I think that when you start with a media company approach first, a more brand marketing first approach, then later when you do want to do the performance marketing and the advertising and a lot of the real like direct response type of marketing, your life is really easy because you have this huge audience to draw from, to retarget, to basically capitalize on all this potential energy. Now you can turn that into kinetic energy and you can say, hey, here's a special offer running just for X, Y, and Z. Or have you seen this? You can have all of your SDRs and all of your sales team go work all these leads, go work all these people. You can have all these connections and, and network already built out now you're getting warm introductions, warm leads. You're making these asks, but you've built the trust and the authority. You've done the favors so that you can make those, those asks and they'll actually turn into something. Whereas when you start more performance marketing, then you try to layer on brand marketing later on, your life is harder because budget is always going to want to go towards the ROI-driven performance marketing. And so you're going to think like, why are we spending all this money building a YouTube channel when we could just scale up more Facebook ads? It's like, well, because Facebook ads might not last forever, or you might really fatigue your audience, uh, or the algorithm might change, and you might need to, to diversify away from that channel. You're going to wish that you had started on SEO and your YouTube show and uh, building this newsletter a lot you know, sooner. I think for a lot of startups, especially, they get to like Series A, Series B, like, okay, now I really need to start investing in marketing. Let's start doing all these things. Let's, let's start marketing like media community. It's like, Okay, but you're going to have to make up for a lot of lost ground. It's your life is a lot easier when they start that from day one, and it's a part of the DNA and the company, and leadership is bought into it, and you've already built this muscle of getting everyone involved in the company that way. Uh, than the opposite, than than vice versa. The other piece of that is that I think if you really dug into the data, which is hard because there's a lot of flaws in technology and and data capture today, but if you did have a perfect picture of attribution, and if you could track everything. I think that what you would find is that a lot of the brand marketing campaigns would be equally as effective, if not more effective than the performance marketing campaigns. You just can't see it. And you don't know it because of all the 
gaps in, in data with all the unattributable events, conversations, touch points that just are not going to get tracked or, or even known in the funnel. But that at the end of the day, you might see in, in the revenue, in the MR, in the sinus, where you're like, hey, we have you know 40. I remember when we were, when we were at Bear Metrics, uh, Josh Pickford, the founder, did a great job of this where he sort of made himself into this media personality for Bear Metrics and in the SaaS space. And he's writing those blog posts about personal experiences and tests and trials with Bear Metrics. He had the show and there's sort of like this whole like open startup movement they created. And uh, when I came on board, it was like 40% of our traffic was completely unattributable. It was like direct traffic or it was like some unknown referral. And it was like this, this huge long tail of all of this traffic that was coming from random places. I just, we're never going to be able to really get the ROI from that. But we know that 40% of that traffic is coming uh, or that all that traffic is coming from all these places that we don't know. And that's probably going to account for 40% of our trial setups as well. And it's going to account for 40% of our customers. And so we can kind of connect some of the dots, but we just have to know fundamentally that we're not going to have the full picture and it's never going to be as clear as maybe some of the performance marketing stuff, but it does work. And, um, and it also, again, it helps the performance marketing side of things. It's symbiotic. So much good Intel and insight in there. Let's close out with this, Corey. Uh, we mentioned the drift uh, example. You are communicating with a lot of different marketers every day, you know, so engaged on social. I'd love like, is there any examples of people or companies that you can call out that um, we should all go follow to just like get get a get a, a view at people operating more like a media company than traditional uh, B2B SaaS? Yeah. Yeah. I'll name off a few just so you can kind of like go and do your homework on them. But uh, I think Coinbase is actually doing a really, really good job of this, where they basically created their own Coinbase news division. So they're like becoming the source of truth for all crypto news and updates and fundraising announcements within the space rather than uh, having to beg and plead for another website to cover them and <laughs> to include them in their stuff. I think the HubSpot is doing a fantastic job of this. They're actually doing a lot of like M&A marketing, that's what I like to call where they acquired the hustle. We've seen a lot of other examples of this with Stripe acquiring Indie Hackers, AngelList acquiring Product Hunt, Zapier acquiring MakerPad, uh, where you're, you're basically acquiring a media company and then you're looping that into uh, your marketing team. Actually, a really good example is the Outreach.io team a long time ago acquired Sales Hacker, which is like the biggest media company, you know, blog, podcast shows for, for sales professionals. And they kept it Sales Hacker. Like they never made it, you know, outreach.io slash Sales Hacker or outreach.io slash blog. It's just, it's still saleshacker.com, I believe. Uh, but it's the Sales Hacker brand, right? And sure, it's separate, but it's it's still reaping the benefits of all that attention. We've even seen this with uh, with SEMrush acquiring uh, Backlinko and basically bringing Brian Dean on board to create content for them on their behalf. Other brands that really stand out are uh, Westia, Buffer. Um, they're creating a lot of content and and shows um, things that are really really interesting. Westia's if you haven't seen it already, but Westia's one ten one hundred series about documenting the process of creating a commercial is one of my favorite things of all time. It's just such a fascinating experience. And it's it just like checks all the boxes of inherently valuable and useful information, entertaining, reaches the exact right person, and it went viral. Like just checks all the boxes of what you would want to do as like a marketing like a media company campaign. I'll stop there. Those are probably like the the top ones if you want to start with that list. 
uh, just go, go dig into all the things that they do and the way they're approaching things going forward. All good examples. All, all fully endorse, like retweet, double stamp, whatever we want to do, the sales hacker outreach. I think that's one of the best examples uh, that yeah. I've seen today. Corey, this has been phenomenal. I learned a ton. I know everyone out there listening did too. Before I let you go, what's happening at Swipe Files? Where can we send people? We'll put it in the show notes, but it's a marketing podcast. So plug something that's going on with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can follow me at Corey Hainsco on Twitter. I'm there all day long, pretty much, and tweeting some useful stuff, hopefully, uh, mostly related to SaaS marketing. CoreyHaines.co for all the projects I'm involved in. SwipeFiles.com to sign up for the newsletter, but there's also SwipeFiles.com uh, slash membership if you want to check out sort of like the paid offering. And that's where I invest most of my time and energy and creating courses and content. And in fact, also, I, I try to do this just for podcast appearances that I do. But if you want to use the code modern day marketing, all sort of one word, all caps, you can get half off the, your first year of the membership for Swipe Files. So I would love to have you there and see you inside. Can't beat a guest that's providing a, a discount and some value back to you. So definitely go out there and check out what Corey is doing. Corey, thank you so much, man. Appreciate the uh, insight and the time. And we'll have to talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Sometimes you just meet someone and you're like, man, I know if I just sat here and listened, there would be so much that I could learn. Hopefully you felt that way in this conversation with Corey. I know I did. Make sure you go follow him. Put all of those links in the show notes. He is someone I'm enjoying learning from. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we will be back more Modern Day Marketer next week.